0: All right, John Walker's here, so we'll get started. We know that he's the one that needs this most, so we waited for you. How's everybody doing? Good? You're back for more. That's a good thing. haven't scared you off. How's this week been? So, you guys work through childish versus Christ centered home, child centered versus Christ centered home. What are your thoughts after that? Anything you guys have talked about that's been helpful, convicting, anything you've changed? Who's brave enough to speak up first?
1: Yeah.
0: It happens without us even noticing at times, doesn't it? Oh, it's little things like
1: this. food, snacks. Yeah. Child's choice versus living. Yeah. This It's just sometimes
0: silly
1: things, but it turns into a big deal.
0: Yeah. else working through stuff? Discouragements? Encouragements? And not interrupting
1: when even like at church it's kind of a common thing I guess we've gone through where you put your hand on the children but like even when we're at home yeah. we're talking together or something like that Just, it's, it's funny how been, you don't notice it's going on until yeah. About it, like, yeah, that does happen. So, yeah, trying to correct you. it's kind of you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. interrupted.
0: <laughs> 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 but, yeah, that's that's kind of something we've really thought about just interrupting you and not seeing you before you enter. Yeah.
1: taking ownership of our bedroom. And we had an odd situation like the next day where we were having a conversation in our master bathroom. And it turns out our oldest was in our bedroom eavesdropping. Uh-huh. And she came around the corner and said, what did you mean by that? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> so just having that space as our space and them understanding that. So we do have a place where we can go and have conversations that we need to have without them yeah. around those. Tiny, cute little listening ears that don't need to be
0: listening on certain
1: things. Yeah. And then we that's also had right. a topic about <laughs> 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 Yeah, that's good. We've kind of set forth the plan in place to start having the family meetings to set forth like expectations and boundaries especially having kids in different age levels mm-hmm. like one in the house working all the time so like we're having one of our first meetings like our first meeting night because it's the first time we've had to pair home at the same time <laughs> <sense>. <laughs> so just uh, to be able to set those level of expectations that they're able to know and see, yeah. let the boundaries be yeah
0: Settled and then be able to weekly have a touch base on the time that we're all typically at Yeah, good. Parenting definitely changes as you have kids enter the high school years and schedules are different and we're experiencing that too. <clears throat> What made
1: us realize, oh sorry, Um, like going through the last couple of years with all of my health stuff and having other people helping take care of our kids and it's kind of, well and we're just kind of in survival mode and not really focused on, you know, what the best rules are for, we were just kind of you know heads down and surviving getting through it so it's kind of opened our eyes like now we can step back and kind of get things maybe a little more less chaotic now yeah maybe yeah
0: (laughs) that's good every now and then we need to hit a reset button
1: Disrespecting, so trying to catch it every time they're doing it,
0: which
1: is a lot. I don't know where we got this week,
0: but. Yeah. So the new thing is bro. Have you guys heard this? Like, who am I that you're calling me bro? And like girls calling each other bro. What are you doing? You're not a bro. You will never be a bro. <laughs> that's weird. I was at the gas station the other night. There were like five teenage girls in a car beside me. They're all calling each other bro. Like, where did this come from? <laughs> I heard Kenneth say it the other day, too. Uh, that's not happening. <laughs> all right. Well, thank, thanks for being open and sharing. I think it's good for us to hear one another's struggles and joys that we can one another's burdens and also rejoice together in the work that God's doing in our hearts. As I look back on the season of parenting that many of you are in, I remember the discouragements that came with each day, the struggles that were present with each day. Oftentimes, the trials continued from one day to another. Sometimes a day brought forth new challenges and new trials, but I encourage you to not be discouraged. I'm putting at the top of your notes each week, parenting, God's call to faithfulness, not perfection. I think that's such a good reminder for us every week. We're faithful when we're putting into practice the things that the Lord tells us in His Word. So keep praying, keep seeking the Lord, keep studying his word for wisdom, keep yourself surrounded by godly wisdom, godly help. I would encourage each one of you to seek out an older couple in the church who's been there and done that and open up to them, talk to them about parenting, talk to them about your struggles, encourage them to hold you accountable Not to tell you what you want to hear, but rather what you need to hear. Someone that will pray with you and for you, will challenge you in certain aspects of your parenting and and help you to grow. You know that Julie and I had that, especially early on. It's just helpful to have those godly influences in our lives to to help us. The church is where you should be finding help in parenting. So find help at the church, okay? Okay. So this evening, we want to look at Discipline, Part 1. We'll talk about it again next week. You can see in your notes that we'll look at discipline in three ways tonight. The why of discipline, the what of discipline, and the how of discipline. We'll talk about a lot, but my hope for you is that you'll leave with an understanding of why you should be disciplining your children what your goal should be in discipline in your home, and how God instructs us as parents to be disciplining our children in the home. So if you have questions throughout the evening, feel free to ask. I'll try to pause and give you opportunities to ask from time to time, but you're welcome to interrupt me if you want to. If you have a question that's pressing, or write it down. You can ask it at the end. We'll begin with the why of discipline. The why of discipline. Should we as mom and dad discipline our kids? And if we should, why? Oh, Eli. God has given us some very specific instructions and principles to follow as parents in the area of disciplining our children. And it must begin with the heart of man to understand the why. I have to begin with the heart. There are several verses throughout Scripture that talk about the condition of man's heart. But just to mention to you a few this evening, Proverbs 22.15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Some translations of your Bible may say foolishness instead of folly. But the word folly here in Proverbs 22.15 means stupid, senseless, rebellious, defiant, devious. We might think that sounds harsh to call a young child senseless and stupid, but this is the condition of the heart of every child. Stupidity and senselessness is bound up in the heart. David says in Psalm 51 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So David recognized that his sinful nature didn't start when he turned 2, right? The terrible twos, that's not when sin starts. <clears throat> sin doesn't even start at birth. Sin was the condition of his heart at the very moment of conception in his mother's womb. He was an enemy of God by nature the day that his mother conceived him. And the same is true of me, same is true of you, same is true of our parents. Every boy, every girl born into this world since the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, has been born with a pre existing condition, and that condition is sin. The effects of the fall on every human being is that now self has become number one. The number one consideration is self. After the fall, the pursuit of God's pleasure was replaced with a pursuit of pleasure to please oneself. And because this desire for continual and immediate gratification begins at conception, the need for cultivating self-control in our children begins the moment that they are born. Jesus, too, spoke about the heart of man when he was here on earth. He says in Mark 7, verses 20 through 23, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So where do our sinful deeds flow from? The heart. At the moment of conception, the heart is sinful, wicked, fallen, depraved, desperately sick. So what does this tell you about your child? They are a sinner, right? The moment of conception, they're a sinner. And from the moment that they're born, it's our responsibility as their parents to teach them how to use self-control to not do the evil that is natural to them, but rather to choose to do what is right and good. So one aspect of why we should discipline our children is that they are conceived in sin. Their heart is sinful, and from the moment they are born into this world, they have a sinful bent to serve and to worship self. Another reason why we should discipline our children is because we see this modeled for us by God, our Heavenly Father, and His relationship to us as His children. You can turn to Hebrews chapter 12 if you have your Bible. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. This helps us see the heart of God towards us as his children. (coughs) And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. as his children. We're talking about it tonight. He disciplines us, right? And why does he discipline us? Because he loves us. And we know that if we do not receive the discipline of the Lord, then we aren't truly his children. Why does God discipline us according to verse 10? What's the purpose of discipline? It's for our good that we might become more like Christ. This is amazing. This is helpful. When we view the discipline of our Heavenly Father in the right way, it proves His love for us. We know that He is doing it for our good It produces his holiness in us that we might become more like Christ. When we view it this way, then we can be thankful for the discipline that we receive, right? We can receive it with joy. Knowing that in time it will produce in us, what he says, the peaceful fruit of righteousness when we have been trained by it. See that in verse 11. I think there's a tendency in our own hearts to view our relationship with God through the lens of our earthly relationships. By that I mean we feel disappointed when our kids fail to live up to our standard for them. And then we think that God is disappointed with us when we don't live up to his standard. Or we respond in irritation and frustration when our children don't follow through with something we've told them to do. And then we think that God is irritated with us when we don't follow through on our word. Or we hold our kids at a distance when there's strife in our relationship. And then we think that God is holding us at a distance when we sin and there's strife in our hearts. We can feel these at times. But the thing we need to remember as children of God is that Jesus already took our sin upon himself. And he absorbed all of God's wrath for our sin. Every single sin. There's no more punishment left for us. Second Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In First Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So God's loving hand of discipline is not his wrath or his judgment upon you for sin. Jesus took care of all the judgment and all the guilt for sin on the cross. Our sin actually draws us into the heart of Christ. Our sin qualifies us for salvation. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If we weren't weak, if we weren't laboring, if we didn't feel this heavy weight upon our shoulders, we would have no need to come to Christ. But because we do, we are invited by Him to come. And he says, let me take your heavy burden of sin, and I will give you my light and easy yoke. Let me teach you, for my heart is a heart of gentleness and humility. Learn from me. I will give you rest. So why do I say all of this? we don't view discipline, the discipline of our Heavenly Father in the right way, we won't have a right understanding of our discipline of our children. If we don't have a correct understanding of how God views our relationship with Him in Christ, then we won't have a right view of our relationship with our children. Moms and dads, we need to view discipline when it's done rightly according to God's Word as a good thing. Loving discipline is a tool that we have been given for the good of our children. Yes, our discipline is tainted with sin, as everything else in this life. Yes, we will fail at times in how we do it, in our consistency, in our expectations, and in our heart attitude. But God's grace is available to us in our weaknesses. Remember, God doesn't expect perfection. He calls us to be faithful. So why discipline? Because the heart of every human being who has ever been conceived and will be conceived, this side of God's eternal destruction of sin, will be conceived in sin. The heart of every man has been and will continue to be sinful. A lover of self, seeking only the pleasurable desires of sin and self. The human heart will not seek the things of God on its own. And discipline is necessary to help our children see that their heart is wicked and evil and defiled. Discipline helps our children see their eternal need and light of the gospel. And discipline in the parent-child relationship in the home is necessary because God models it for us in our relationship with Him as Father and Child of God. God disciplines us in love for our good to grow us and mature us in Christ And that should be why we discipline our children as well. So that's the why. Any questions? Okay. As Chad would say, moving on. Next, we'll talk about the what, the what of discipline. This is the goal of discipline. So if we believe that the heart of man is the problem, which we just saw, then the goal of our discipline always and every time must be to address the heart of the child. If the heart is the well from which our evil thoughts come, our lips spew lies, unkind deeds flow, then the heart is what must be addressed in our discipline. If we are only addressing the outward behavior, then we are only making them moral creatures. And to a certain extent, this is all that they will be until, by God's grace, they are saved. Any good that we do apart from Christ is no good at all, right? We see that in Romans 3. I'm sure we've all seen unsafe people do kind things to others. It is possible for unsafe people to do moral acts. But we don't want our children to just be moral We want them to understand the condition of their heart, what Christ has done for them, and how they can do what's right and good from a heart that loves Jesus and wants him to be made much of in their life. When the psalmist asks God to search him in Psalm 139.23, he asks God to search his heart. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. He doesn't ask God to examine his actions or to listen to his words. He tells God to search his heart. And the truth is, God already knows our heart, right? He alone is truly able to examine the depths of our hearts. But you and I as parents have a glimpse into the heart of our children when we see the actions they are doing and when we hear the words that they are saying. These things reveal to us the condition of the heart. Jesus says in Luke six, forty three through forty five, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart His mouth speaks. Jesus makes it clear that we can know whether a heart is good or bad by what comes out of the person, what comes out of the heart, whether in deed or word the things that we see and hear from a person reveal to us the condition of their heart. So if we as parents don't get to the heart of the problem, we're not attacking the real problem. Addressing the outward behavior instead of addressing the heart is like putting a band aid on a compound fracture. It's like putting a piece of scotch tape on a hole in a boat. It's like jumping from an airplane with a pillowcase. It's pointless, it has no lasting value. It's not being faithful in our responsibilities as parents. So, teaching them to be moral is part of the process. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We have to teach them right from wrong. But if we do that to make the end behavior modification, we've stopped short of God's call to faithfulness and discipline. We have to teach them right from wrong in our discipline to help them see that they can never be good. We have to help them see that even the good things that they do are as filthy rags before God. We must teach them in our discipline that they will never measure up to God's standard of goodness. Because ultimately the problem isn't with the things that we do. The problem is, is the well from which those things are brought forth, the heart. So in our disciplining, we must always address the condition of our child's heart. We don't discipline out of convenience or appearance We discipline with the earnest desire that the eyes of our child's heart would be opened to see their inability and what Christ did for them. Their weakness, his strength. Their need, his abundance. So, parents, what is the purpose of discipline? It's to address the heart, it's to help our kids see that their heart is sinful. It's desperately sick and it's in need of a savior. Any questions about that? Okay. How about the how of discipline? We've talked about the why. we talked about the what, our goal. Now we want to get more practical. How should discipline look in our home? I think first we must have the conviction of Colossians 3.21, where Paul says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Parents, your child's obedience to you pleases God. It brings glory to Him. But not just their obedience, but their obedience in everything, right? We've been entrusted with the task of teaching our children to glorify their God, Creator God, by teaching them to obey us as their parents. So if we're going to teach them to obey in everything, then we must be consistent with what we expect them, with when we expect them to obey. We must be consistent with when we expect them to obey. Where is the line of disobedience for a child So I grew up in a home, and maybe some of you here can relate, unless you're a lot younger than me, where my mom would tell us to do something, and then she'd give us till the count of three to get it done. Or to get up off our seat, at least, and start, right? Anybody else relate to that? And the distance between two and three was always a little bit longer than the distance between one and two, right? It's one, two, two and a half. So we always knew we had till two and a half to get up. Is this clear and consistent with when obedience is expected? No. Maybe you have a child who likes to hit or to bite. They hit or bite another child and you say, Johnny, no, we don't do that. And they hit or bite again. Johnny, no, we don't do that. And they do it again and again. Where's the line of disobedience? Disobedience. I would say if we're not teaching our children to obey right away, the first time, completely, with a heart that is happy in their obedience, even if they're faking the happiness, then we're not teaching them to obey. Right away, the first time, completely, with a heart that desires to obey. If we let them get by with sin until we've just finally had it, when we're fed up, When we're irritated, then we're not teaching them obedience. Your child, my child, believe it or not, they need and they desire consistency in our expectation of them and our follow-through when they don't do what we've communicated to them to do. Your child needs, but your child also desires boundaries. Ephesians 6.4 tells us, do not provoke your children to anger. Blurring the line of disobedience is a way that we often provoke our children to anger. Dads and moms, when you blur the line of disobedience by your inconsistency and discipline, you're frustrating your child. So make the expectations that you have of them clear. And then don't fudge on those expectations. I would say especially in those toddler years of zero to six-ish, be consistent in your discipline. Expect your child to obey right away. Expect them to obey completely. And expect them to obey with a heart that is happy to obey mom and dad. This is obedience. And also, secondly, with expectations of your children in first-time obedience, clear communication of those expectations is important. If you're not communicating well with your child, you shouldn't expect them to obey the first time completely with a happy heart. If you haven't given clear rules of what is okay and what is not okay, if you don't communicate clear directions of what you expect them to do when you give them an instruction then you should not be disciplining them if they don't follow through. Because they don't know what the rules are. They don't know what's expected. Or maybe they don't know how to go about doing it. So what are you communicating to your child? How are you communicating with your child? Do they understand Oftentimes, having the child repeat back to you the instruction that you gave them is a good way for you to know that you are communicating clearly and that they understand what's expected of them. This is why it's so important for you both to be on the same page and in agreement with what the rules and the expectations of your children are in your home. You should both have the same rules and expectations. This is helpful for our children. Things like, don't throw your food on the floor. Don't tell a lie. Don't interrupt me when I'm in the middle of a conversation. Share your things with others. Don't hit another person. These are examples of rules or expectations that you may have in your home that you've agreed upon as parents and that you've clearly communicated to your kids. There may be things along the way that get added, and that's okay, but communicate those things clearly to your children before you expect them to obey and then to discipline them for not doing those things. But once you have communicated clearly, then you need to be consistent in your discipline. Something that was helpful for Julie and I in the little kid years was to understand the difference between childishness and sin. A young child is going to be childish. They're ignorant and foolish. They're going to do childish things. But being childish isn't necessarily sinful. For example, a young child doesn't understand the danger of walking out into the middle of a street. You're a first-time parent, and this is the first time your child has attempted to run out into the street while playing in the front yard. Should you discipline your child for this? I would say no. At this point, they're not being sinful. They're being childish. They don't know any better. It's not sin for your child to run out into the street. They just don't understand the danger. But once you explain to them the danger, and that it's daddy's job or mommy's job to protect them and to keep them safe, and you tell them that they're not allowed to play in the street... Maybe you give them a clear boundary line in the yard or on the driveway that they can't cross. Once you've communicated that clearly and you know that they understand what the expectation is. And that if they don't stay within those boundaries that you've created for them, then the next time they go outside in those boundaries and head towards the street and it's clear to you that they're being willfully disobedient to your instruction, then is it sin? then it becomes sin, no longer childishness. And then there needs to be discipline for that sin. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so we have to start with consistency in our expectations and clear communication to be able to enforce discipline in the home in the right way. All right, so how should you discipline? I do believe that there can be more than one way to enforce discipline in the home. And being the dad of two high schoolers, I would also say that the way that we discipline our kids changes as they grow. But I believe that the Bible is clear that the primary way that God instructs us to enforce discipline in the home, primarily when our children are young, is by spanking. Proverbs 13 and verse 25, 24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. The first four to six years of your child's life are the formative years. Those are the years that if you are faithful in your discipline, if you are consistent, if you have the right motives in it, and by the time your child is somewhere around the age of five, Six-ish, their need for spanking in discipline will be much less. I know when we were young parents, that seemed like an eternity. Like, we're spanking 50 times a day. Six years of this? Are you kidding me? But it does get better. It does get better. I know that there's a lot of different opinions about spanking. Maybe some of those opinions are present in this room tonight. Some of you were spanked by your parents, but they spanked you out of anger and not love. And you've determined not to be like them, so you don't spank. Some of you may just think that spanking doesn't work and there are better ways to enforce discipline. But this proverb tells us that if you don't discipline your child with the rod by spanking, you don't love them. In fact... Proverbs 13:24 says you hate your child if you don't discipline them with the rod. And remember Hebrews 12, God out of his love for his children disciplines us. There is a right way and a wrong way to spank your child. Your spanking should never be done out of anger, irritation, frustration. And you know if this is the attitude of your heart when you're disciplining I would encourage you to always allow some time between the act of sin from your child and the time of discipline. In our home, we made the main bathroom, the place that we would send our kids when they were getting a spanking. We would send them there to give them some time to calm down if necessary, and to be able to think through what they had just done. But Julie and I would also use this time to calm our heart to make sure that we were enforcing loving discipline and not disciplining out of frustration or anger. A parent should never walk up to your child during an offense or even immediately after an offense and discipline them right then and there. Always give yourself and your child time to think through the situation, to calm down so you're able to respond in a godly way. I think it's good and helpful for you to have a specific room or location in your house where you do discipline your children. Whether that's a bedroom or a bathroom, having a specific place and a specific process will help your child to have consistency and to know what to expect in that process of discipline. Your discipline should never be a public display with the intention to humiliate them in front of others. Discipline should always be done in private. And if it's not possible for you to take your child to a private place for discipline, then you should take them away from people to the corner of a room where you can talk things through with them and then follow through with discipline later when necessary when you get home because you're not able to do it in a public place. Never humiliate your child in front of others. Never. Discipline is not to belittle your child in front of other people. Rather, it's, a, it's to be a time of loving correction and instruction to help them see the natural sinful tendencies of their heart and what God has done to remedy that. <clears throat> if you're faithful and consistent in your discipline for those first six years or so with your child, then your discipline will start to take different forms. As they get older, spanking will start to be inappropriate, maybe taking things away from them, like a favorite toy or screen time, or even as they get older, a phone. You'll have to be creative in how you discipline. And Julie and I struggled with this at times, to find effective ways to discipline our kids as they got older and grew out of those spanking years. But if you know your child, which I think we should learn them in a way that we know the things that they like, right? If you know your child, you'll be able to find things that they enjoy doing or or things that they have that mean a lot to them. That if you take those things away or those privileges away for a a time, a set time, it can be helpful forms of discipline. We make them run down and backs on the driveway. My dad made us do... Push ups, and I made Hunter do that for a number of years. That was his form of discipline. So there's things that you can do like that that are still painful in a sense. Oh man, I got off my notes. Yeah, our parenting changes as our children grow, forms of discipline change. I would say your expectations of your 16-year-old should be different than your expectations of your 3-year-old. Our goal in raising our children is to prepare them to leave our home and do life on their own. So if you're not changing in your parenting to help prepare them for the world, I don't think we're being faithful as parents. So be okay with giving your child more freedom and slack, in a sense, as they get older. I think there's there's a lot of things that they can learn just from the natural consequences of their decisions as they get older that mom and dad then don't have to enforce discipline on some of those things as they reap those consequences so i was given strict instructions tonight to get you guys out early because i said your babies are all very loud in the nursery at this time of the day so um so i will let you out early tonight but We'll talk about discipline more next week when we look at the priorities to achieve and the pitfalls to avoid in parenting. But I hope as you go from here tonight, you'll be encouraged to consider the why, the what, and the how of discipline. We discipline because God has instructed us to, and he has modeled for us what loving discipline looks like. Our goal in our discipline is not behavior modification, right? But a changed heart. Every time we discipline our children, we must help them see their greatest need is Jesus. And I think spanking is the primary way that the Bible tells us to enforce discipline at those younger ages. Um, Proverbs that talk about spanking and discipline, some other verses that I wrote down are Proverbs 13, 24, Proverbs 19.18, Proverbs 22.15, Proverbs 23.13-14, Proverbs 29.15, and Proverbs 29.17. If you guys want to look at some of those together when you go home tonight, it might be helpful. Any questions? Yes, sir.
1: So, say you talked about sending your kids to maybe a specific part of the house, letting them think about... Uh, their sin or what what mistake they made letting you kind of uh, the parent calming down have you ever gone in then to go discipline your child and then they lobbied to not be disciplined because they realized the error of their way they were remorseful, repentant and you still discipline in that circumstance?
0: So there were times that Julie and I showed mercy Because I think it enables you to help them see the mercy of God as well. So I think there's times for that, but I don't think that should be the norm. I think when there's a sinful offense committed, there should be consequence for that sin. But we would hope, right, that repentance is then part of that, right? I think that's a good thing. You should never discourage that in your child. But I would say let that not be the norm that you would not discipline. I know for us even, one of our children especially was always more, oh, Mom, I'm so sorry that I did this. You know, And that's good. That That's evidence of a heart that's sensitive to that, right? And that's a good thing. But that doesn't mean that we didn't spank her for her sin. So, yeah. I would say it's okay to show mercy, but then to highlight the mercy of God in that, like, God has shown us mercy in Christ. We deserved eternal punishment for our sin. But to help you see that God has extended mercy to you, I'm going to extend you mercy today because I'm thankful for the repentance that you've shown for your sin. Does that make sense?
1: and thought about it, um, I, I, I just still, I mean, I've adopted one that's been, that went through abuse and beating, and so it's, it's something that I'm really having a hard time, it's just a hard, I, I when I am angry or frustrated, it's usually, I don't want to, you don't want to spank because you're, right. you're going to spank out of anger, so Yes. Yeah. This is a really, it's, it's kind of like I've never, I don't spank when I, I made the, the commitment when I adopted that I, I would not spank out of it for discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but at the same time I can see why that would be something I do have too out of control, a two and four year old, but um, mm-hmm. This this is art. Yeah,
0: I believe you. Fostering and adopting can present some unique challenges when it comes to these instructions that we've been given as parents. And that's something that you're just going to have to work through prayerfully, you know, in the best interests of your children. It may be that for a time you need to build a relationship with them to where they trust you, you know, and they know that you, you love them and that your discipline of them is in love instead of abuse, right, out of anger. So it may be that for a time you shouldn't spank, and I think that's okay. God's understanding of that, I think. But I think just because you sign a paper doesn't give you a free pass to not, right? But I think that's something that you have to work through prayerfully, and the Lord will give you wisdom in that. But I, just even in hearing you, your kids need it, right you see that right <laughs> right,
1: right yeah
0: right. our kids need it but you need to work through that in wisdom i'd encourage you to find an older older lady in the church who can help you just speak truth into your life That would be helpful yes. thank you I have a
1: question
0: yeah uh, for my You're a pastor. You're not allowed
1: to have. (laughs) Um, For like the one to two year old, like you're addressing the heart, but they really don't understand. And so, help 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 me understand the best way to address the heart in that age, or are you basically setting a standard and? Um, building a, a rapport of discipline so it's expected later on when you can yeah. address
0: the heart. Yeah, I think you're just establishing the expectations at that age. Yeah. So that they know what mom is telling you to do, you can't do that. Or you need to obey. You know, I I think for me the first time that I saw it with our first Ashlyn, she was sitting in a high chair. I don't remember how old she was. She was probably around the age of one. And I was feeding her. And she threw her food on the floor. And I said, no, Ashlyn, we don't do that. You can't throw your food on the floor. And she looked at me and grabbed her food and threw it on the floor. I was like, she knows exactly what I just said. She couldn't talk to me, but she knew what I said. And she didn't do what I said. So that was evidence to me that it's time to start disciplining her for her sin. Even though she can't speak to me, she knows. Does that make sense? So you just you establish the consistency so that they know the expectation. And then as you're able to communicate with them, you start addressing the heart in light of the gospel. Yeah.
1: One of the best books for me when I was working with my littles was The Don't Make Me Have to Three by Ginger Hubbard. Yeah. And I highly, highly, highly
0: recommend The Wise yeah. One's For Moms. Yeah. I actually have some because. recommendations. Yep. Wise words for moms. Because yeah. <laughs> times that I was like, I don't Don't know make me count it. to three. No. Yeah. yeah. But what, so being
1: saved later on with my oldest, how do you go about, because she's too old to be saved. She can outrun me. She's pretty strong. How, what would you recommend for that? And I could take everything away. We took everything out of her room, and it does not phase her.
0: She's very, very. What did you say? <laughs> what? What
1: did you say? My advice
0: is a What would you say, Julie?
1: <laughs>
0: Ashlyn was very strong willed. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even want to repeat some of the things that we had to do. There were times I felt like I was abusing her. Mm-hmm. And that that's a terrible feeling as a parent. I mean that wasn't my intention by any means, but she was so physically defiant. There were times I had to hold her down to be able to enforce discipline. <laughs> oh, man. There's I would say pray a lot because we need God's help and His grace. (laughs) There's been seasons of parenting that we don't know what to do, and we just need God to help us. Part of that is just to give us endurance to press on, and forcing the things that we know we're to do, but not really knowing what that looks like in the everyday. But yeah, I just ask the Lord for wisdom, ask Him for help, and I think you'll eventually be able to come up with something that will be effective. Every kid responds differently. You know, maybe for her, she doesn't mind not having anything. So that's that's not long. going to matter to her. Then you need to figure out what does matter to her. Maybe it's time with friends. Maybe it's Everything. TV time. Everything. You know, there's, I know oftentimes for us, it was our kid was <laughs> anticipating a birthday party that weekend. We're like, you're not going to the birthday party. Do anything but that. Mm -hmm. Then you know it hurts, right? Mm -hmm. Then you know it matters. Or give them an option. (laughs) And the thing that they pick, do the other, Mm. right? (laughs) I mean, sometimes that's helpful in figuring out what matters most to them.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. There were seasons where people would recommend things to us and it didn't work. So I think oftentimes we as parents just have to figure it out. Mm It's part of the struggle.
1: (laughs) One day something works and the next day doesn't.
0: Yeah. But pray a lot. Mm -hmm. I do have some books here. Shepherding a Child's Heart is really good for Julie and I. Julie says that the Don't Make Me Count to Three is a lot of the same principles, just for moms, just a little bit more practical. So those books kind of have the same content. I recommended this one a couple weeks ago, but it's just helpful, just in all aspects of parenting. Um, What the Bible says about parenting by MacArthur. I read this one a few years ago, and it was helpful. It kind of broke parenting down into different age ranges of your kids. I thought that was just really helpful in the different seasons of parenting that you're in. It's titled Being for the Faithful Parent. It was a really good book. And then Dads, Brave Dad by MacArthur. It's a really good book for dads. If you're a dad, you should read it. If you're anticipating being a dad, you should read it. It's a really good book. I'd read it more than once. It's helpful. And yeah, Julie recommended Wise Words for Moms. It um, addresses specific sins of the heart that your kids might go through and then just how you should address it as a mom and scripture passages that you can memorize together. It's pretty simple. Something that you can maybe even hang on your fridge or something, to where you just have access to it every day. So, there's what an app. Mm -hmm. Nice. (laughs) So yeah, those are just some. If you're up for reading, those are some helpful. We see. It is Martha Peace and Stuart Scott. I don't think we have that one in the resource center, but I think all the others I did get from the resource center. So they are downstairs. Say that again. From the library. the resource center, yeah. But they may be in the library, yeah. Yeah. What was that? I said
1: some
0: of them are Are they? Yeah. You can look there. Anybody else? A yes, ma'am. Usually after discipline we'll pray and we'll like together, but if my child refuses to
1: pray, do I push it or enforce it or just leave it? Because they're obviously not ready and they don't want to make a repentance and I come back and then do it all over again. <coughs> or at what point, I mean, she's almost six, so I mean she knows, she understands, but at what point do you not want to force them to pray when they don't feel like they should be
0: why doesn't she want to pray? Because
1: I don't think she's ready to repent.
0: So, so you're asking her to pray, or you we just want her want want to, 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 to pray with you? Yeah, with me. Yeah. She doesn't want to. Yeah, I think you need to figure out what hills to die on. Yeah. I wouldn't just provoke them with something like that, probably. Because I don't want her to not. Sometimes know later. Yeah. Like, maybe you can just come back 30 minutes later, when she's past it, and say, hey, can we pray about this together? She might be willing then. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't provoke her with something like that in the time if, if after things calm down a little bit she's more accepting of it Yeah, more willing. those are things you want them to do i maybe yeah. like even start with letting her pray before bed we wanted our kids to learn to pray
1: we do and she's struggles with that too so I, I, I think it's better <coughs> she understands enough, enough now or so at that point where she knows her sin and so it's yeah. a more of a she's
0: struggling with that in words and so i think we're kind of working through a lot of that all right let me pray for you guys father we thank you for today we thank you for the helps that you give us in your word that give us clear instruction of what you expect from us as parents we're thankful for how you model loving discipline in our own lives how you bring things into our lives that hurt that you might refine us, that you might purify us, that you might mature us in Christ. And I pray that you would help us to view our discipline of our children through that same lens, that it's a good thing when it's done in the right way, that it produces good in the hearts of our kids. We know that we need your help to be faithful. We know that we need your help to have the right motives and the right heart attitude in that. So we ask for your help, thankful for the Spirit who empowers us and enables us. Pray that we would be encouraged tonight and that we'd be able to pray for one another and hold each other accountable to these things. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, guys.